Well, we had a great uh, refuge outreach yesterday, our first one of the year. So thank you to those that were able to join with us and those that were joining in prayer for that. We're going to have a full report on that outreach next week as a part of our, our Global Impact Monthly update. But just thank you so much um, for those who were a part of that or, or gave uh, through your faith promise giving. We um, you know, really were able to share the love of Jesus with some people in need right outside our walls. Here at Anchor, um, each week we conclude our service, conclude our gathering with a benediction and commission, a, a blessing, where we choose typically a scripture to share, and whoever's the gathering host will share that. And by my unofficial tally, we have one scripture that we use for that segment probably more than any other, and that's 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. And it reads, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Love that verse, right? And there's just so much in there, such a powerful word to, to hear before we leave on a Sunday morning. The grace of Jesus, we're saved by grace. How important his grace is for us. The love of God, right? God is love. What a great reminder of just you know, the love that we have in God, and then fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And I'll admit that, you know, maybe I've not spent as much time thinking about fellowship of the Holy Spirit as much, but it does kind of strike me, well, why does Paul choose the word fellowship here? He's concluding his letter to the Corinthian church. This is what we know as Second Corinthians, and well, he could use the power of the Holy Spirit, as we've talked about in our Holy Spirit series. There's a lot of power to be found in the Holy Spirit. Certainly, he could choose peace of the Holy Spirit or hope found in the Holy Spirit, but instead, Paul chooses this word, fellowship. The Oxford Learner's Dictionary defines fellowship as a feeling of friendship between people who do things together or share an interest. Fellowship, friendship, right? It's a remarkable idea that, that Paul's really encouraging us here to pursue this personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're encouraged to have a friendship with the Holy Spirit. And so that's what I want to lean into today. And certainly that's more than we can unpack in the next 17 minutes. But I hope each one of us today is able to leave here just encouraged by this idea that we can have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. So what does fellowship or friendship with the Holy Spirit look like? We can see in the Gospels what a friendship with Jesus look like. In each of the Gospels, we have recorded Jesus spending time breaking bread, uh, sharing meals with his disciples. There's moments of deep conversation. There's miraculous healings that are shared as well. One of my favorite stories out of John's Gospel is in, actually in the last chapter where Jesus cooks breakfast on the beach for his disciples. I don't know about you, but I would love for a friend to cook me breakfast on the beach one day. That just sounds really great. Uh, maybe not a good Valentine's Day idea. It'd be a little cold over at Constitution Beach right now. But um, you know, we see Jesus acting as that friend, being that friend toward his disciples. And then toward the end of Jesus' ministry, Jesus begins to, again, I think still as a friend, prepare his followers, prepare his disciples for that time that's going to come 
when he's no longer going to be with them in that same earthly human form. John's gospel records Jesus taking quite a bit of time on the night before his crucifixion, just instructing his disciples, preparing them for what is to come. And in part of that discourse, we see our teaching text for this morning, coming from John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. Hear the word of the Lord. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The word of the Lord. So Jesus knows that the cross is quickly approaching for him, and this is going to be the, really one of the last times that he's able to give some parting words to his disciples. And so what does he instruct them to do? But first, he tells them that they should express their love to him by continuing to keep his commands. It's a call to obedience that if you love me, keep doing those things that I've instructed you to do. And now Jesus, being that great friend, knows his disciples and knows that they're going to need some help with this. And so Jesus promises them another who will be with them, and that is the Holy Spirit. It's really interesting the word that is used here that that John records Jesus saying, and that is advocate. That's what the NIV translates the word as, advocate. In the Greek, it's parakletos, parakletos. This really is an amazing description, advocate, as we think about the idea of how do we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I think this word parakletos expresses many of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit that um, will help us understand what fellowship with the Holy Spirit can look like for us. In the widest sense, parakletos signifies a comforter. There are other translations, English translations of the scriptures that will translate parakletos to be comforter. And at the greatest sense, it really just means a helper, someone who is going to come to the aid of another. We see this again in Jesus' example. Jesus was this to his disciples. He was a helper. If they had a need, he provided aid to them. And now Jesus knows that his disciples are going to be facing persecution. He knows it's not going to be an easy road ahead for them. And so as he's promising the Holy Spirit to them, he's promising them a helper that is going to come, another helper that's going to come to take that role that he had been playing in their lives and still be able to be a source of help to them. And that's true for the disciples and that's true for us. The Holy Spirit is our helper. But I think we can push deeper uh, even more into the meaning of advocate. I would say that advocate is an even, an even stronger definition would be one who's called alongside. We can think of this in a legal sense, maybe a legal advocate or an attorney, someone who's coming alongside someone who's generally in a 
really tough situation, probably a situation that none of us would want to be in, to need to have a legal advocate come alongside. But that's what we can think of Paracletos of the Holy Spirit as, someone who is stepping into a situation to bring aid. And this is more than just offering advice. It's not just the Holy Spirit tells us what to do. But instead, it's active assistance. It's coming alongside. It's walking with us no matter what the situation we are facing. I want everyone to just stop for a minute and think of who is that best friend that you have that you know you can call them at even 3 o'clock in the morning if you are in, you know, a, a, in some trouble and in a tough situation. And Who is that person that's going to drop everything and come to help you? I know for me, I pick up the phone anytime. My friend Chris, who I've been friends with since our college days at BU, he will, he will be there as soon as he possibly can. No, no worries about speed limit or anything. He will, he will be there, roll up his sleeves, ready to go. And I hope all of us have that person in our life too. But I would say that we also have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit plays that role for us. No matter the situation, no matter the trouble that we find, no matter if we can't see a way out, the Holy Spirit is that active and powerful friend that will walk through whatever we face with us. And as Jesus goes on to continue to describe, the Holy Spirit is our advocate and the Holy Spirit is with us forever. The Holy Spirit is able to be known by us, and we know him. The Holy Spirit is in us. And so what does that mean for fellowship with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the friend who is always there, always, and he does not leave us. He does not leave you. The Holy Spirit is the friend who knows everything about you, everything, and you, you don't need to tell him, he already knows. Unlike our, our friends here or the friends that we may gather with to cheer on the chiefs later today, there is no distance at any point between us and the Holy Spirit. Yes, I am a Giants fan, so the Eagles' victory today would be truly heartbreaking. So go Chiefs. But unlike our friends, right, there is no distance between the Holy Spirit and us. The Holy Spirit resides within us. And it's in that that we have the opportunity to continually grow in our knowledge of the Holy Spirit. He already knows us fully, but we can continue to grow in how we know him and how we live this life with him actively alongside us. That is what is meant ultimately by fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It's an active way of living, knowing that the Holy Spirit within us is always with us, always there giving us aid. We are never by ourselves, but we always have that same power that raised Christ from the dead right there along with us. So I wanted to share three ways, three really practical ways that Fellowship with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit as a friend can impact our daily life. First is conviction. Conviction that we may live in freedom. John chapter 16, verse 8. 
When he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will prove to the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Holy Spirit will prove to the world to be wrong about sin. That is conviction. Now, this is not the warm and fuzzy part of our teaching this morning, right? We don't usually think being convicted of something as a positive. But it is an important part of growth, important part of our spiritual growth, growing in in maturity, growing in character. The Holy Spirit is there to convince us of the reality of our sin, the reality of those moments where we don't live up to what God has for us, what, the way that God wants us to live. The Holy Spirit makes sin appear to be sin in our life. And that's not just to bring us to a point of feeling bad about messing up or doing something that we shouldn't have, but conviction is important because it's to bring about repentance. It's to call out sin so that way we can turn and go the other way, move in the other direction, ultimately to lead us into a life of the righteousness that Jesus makes possible for us. As the Holy Spirit convicts us about the sin in our life, to bring us to repentance and also bring us to a moment of confession. 1 John 1 9 reads, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, there is a purification that will undergo in our, in our lives. And we heard a little bit about that even last week as Pastor Randall shared about pruning and, and just, right, that's not not comfortable, but it is so important for us desiring to live our lives the way that Jesus opens the door for us to be able to live. I feel like this maybe, even this whole idea of conviction opens the door for someone to be like, yep, Christianity, it's all just about rules that we need to follow, things that we're not supposed to do. But what I would say to that is actually if the Holy Spirit is showing us the, what we shouldn't do or, or that little you know, feeling that we get when we do something like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. It's also to lead us to the way that we're able to live a life of freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17, Paul writes, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Holy Spirit calls out sin in our life to move us to that place of freedom, that freedom of being able to live within the boundaries, within the guardrails of what Jesus has for us. There is great freedom, great joy in that, and that is the role of the Holy Spirit, to move us from that place of living maybe a way that isn't as beneficial to us to living in a place of great freedom, of great joy, of great love. Second, the Holy Spirit and and fellowship with the Holy Spirit should bring us encouragement, encouragement that we may continue to grow. The early church, after they received the Holy Spirit, faced significant persecution, persecution that would cause them to flee out of Jerusalem and spread throughout the region, Judea, Samaria, and then ultimately around the world. Acts chapter 9, verse 31 Luke records, then the church, 
throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. The church had just been forced from the area that they knew, where they called home, they're living in different places, and yet they were encouraged by the Holy Spirit. I would say what is true for that New Testament church is true for us as a church today. We may be encouraged as a community of believers, as a fellowship, and we also may be encouraged as individuals. Paul, as he is writing a letter to the church at Ephesus, takes time in the opening of that letter to pray for them. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18 I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Let's stop right there for a moment, if we can, Jack. So that you may know him better. We've talked throughout our series on the Holy Spirit about how a role of the Holy Spirit is is teacher, teaches us about God. And we can find encouragement in that, that there is so much more about God that we can know. We don't even know the things that we don't know about God. And so we can have this life of continuing to learn more about this God who loves us. And, And there's encouragement that can be found in that, in the role of the Holy Spirit as a teacher. And in verse 18, Paul continues to pray, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That our eyes may be enlightened, that we may know the hope, the hope to which he has called us. The Holy Spirit encourages us by showing us the hope that we are able to hold hold firm to. Throughout the New Testament, we see this idea of the Holy Spirit as a deposit to what is to come, the first fruits of that eternity that we are going to be able to spend as Christ followers with the Lord. And that hope is available to us right now, and the Holy Spirit encourages us in that, that we're able to Enjoy that fellowship with the Holy Spirit as that first piece of that fellowship that we are going to be able to have with God for all of eternity. May that encourage us even when we face hard moments in this life. And finally, third, guidance. The Holy Spirit provides us guidance that we may effectively live out our mission of of being able to tell other people about Jesus. Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. It's Jesus speaking. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about, who, about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. 
Holy Spirit is our advocate. He is our helper. He is there with us. We do not need to worry about what we will say as we go out and and share our testimony, share our faith. We don't need to worry about what we will say when we meet someone who's experiencing homelessness and we want to give them some hats and gloves. He's going to give us words to speak, things to say. And, And that guidance, I think, also is a little bit more broader than that. We're not left out on our own at any point in this life, this journey that we have as Christ followers. Michael Green, in his book, I Believe in the Holy Spirit, shares four strands in guidance, four ways that the Holy Spirit provides us guidance, and he takes these from, from David Watson. And the first is circumstances. We know that God is going to both open doors and close doors in our life, and we can rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us as we journey through that pathway that that the Lord has for us. Secondly, there's great guidance that comes from the Holy Spirit through other Christians. I know that in moments in my life where I've been faced with a choice, there's just such great power and such great peace in in joining together with other people in my church fellowship to just, you know, seek advice and know that the Holy Spirit is involved in that good counsel that we are able to receive, you know, not just from our pastors, but from all in the body of Christ. Third, Holy Spirit provides us guidance through the scriptures, can illuminate the word of God to us, that as we spend time in the word, I know I've experienced there's times I could be reading a verse for like the hundredth time and yet it grips me in a way that it never has before and I know that's true for many of us here and that is the Holy Spirit at work guiding us through the scriptures. And then finally, prayer. As we turn toward God, as we pause, as we bring our needs before him, we know that the Holy Spirit is active in prayer, guiding us, giving us what we need in those moments when we turn our hearts to him. So the Holy Spirit is able to provide us with conviction that brings us to freedom, encouragement that hopefully brings us to continue to grow in our relationship with him and guidance that our life in this world may be effective, an effective witness for him. So as we close and think about this idea of fellowship, well, the Holy Spirit, I want to leave us with the idea that like other friendships, this friendship with the Holy Spirit requires that we intentionally invest time with him, that we intentionally develop, intentionally develop rhythms of sharing experiences together. And so Anchor, let us continue to invite the Holy Spirit in every day, into our lives, knowing that we invite him not as a stranger, not as someone who is external to us, not as someone who doesn't know us, but we invite him in as a friend, a friend who's standing by, a friend who's ready to jump right in, a friend who is always there to help. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we're just so grateful for who you are. Grateful that you are the advocate, you are the parakletos that we need. That you are not far away, that there is not a distance between us and you, but you are there. You're there guiding us, you're there encouraging us, you're there showing us how we can live out this life of freedom that has been promised to us. 
I pray that for all in this space right now, all who are joining via live stream, that we would have an openness to continue to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives today, this week, every day. That we would not try to live this life by ourselves, but but we would just open our hearts to all that is available to us in this life, the first fruits of what we will have in eternity, that hope that is found in the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us to continue to walk, to continue to grow, God, in this fellowship of the Holy Spirit that's available to us, Lord. We are grateful for it, so grateful. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.